marketers, this is the Girls in Marketing podcast. Thanks so much for tuning in today. We are so excited to get started with the episode. Just before we do, we want to give you a little introduction to who we are and what we do. Girls in Marketing is an e-learning platform and online community. We are on a mission to bridge the digital skills gap and equalize gender seniority in marketing. Right. That's enough chat, let's get into the episode. Hello and welcome back to the Girls in Marketing podcast. We are back with a brand new season, which means lots of lovely new guests and a brand new setup as well. So we now have video as well as audio, which is something that we have anticipated and really been excited for for a long time. But today, we're just going to get straight into the episode. I am joined with Fiona Bradley, who is the founder of FBcoms, which is now a digital marketing agency. She used to be a freelancer and she's made that transition, which has been quite a lengthy but exciting process for her and she is also the winner of multiple awards including digital women and the eu content awards as well so without further ado we're going to go ahead and get started with our very first episode of season three hello everyone welcome to the studio we are joined with our first guest today fiona hi fiona hey it's so lovely to have fiona in the studio today i am actually just so even shocked that this is happening right now and it's crazy but super excited to have you on so first of all congratulations because we were just chatting about the fact that you are well have been a freelancer and are now transitioning to a limited company so tell me a little bit more about that what's kind of going on at the moment with that and and what's your process been i set up uh, fb comms kind of as a freelancer and it just kind of grew I mean things blew up and um while I wanted to take on all the work it's not feasible so Mm -hmm. I was kind of booked out and then more really 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 fun clients came along and I didn't want to say no or refer them on Mm -hmm. um and it kind of made sense to then start looking at bringing people on so I've got my first full-time employee starting in April um can't wait (laughs) yeah that's so exciting and you were just saying like you know when you are when you do hire someone how's that process been for you like hiring someone and finding someone because I assume you know I've hired someone in in the past Mm -hmm. and it's kind of been my little baby so how's that been for you the process of hiring someone and kind of you know trying to almost kind of like give away your baby a little bit of of your baby (laughs) Well, it's so important to for your first employees to mm-hmm. be a cultural fit mm-hmm. and, and for you to basically get on with them yeah. um, really, really well. But I think the first, the first person that I've hired has the skills that I don't, mm-hmm. are things that she's not, I suppose, completely comfortable with are my strengths. So together we make a functioning yeah. company. Yeah. <laughs> I'm the creative chaos and she is the order nice. and process. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's that's really nice. No. I think that is so true, you know, with with me in particular with our first hire, which mm-hmm. was Martha, she's definitely the same, you know, a lot of the kind of organizational skills. Yeah. I would say I'm pretty organized, but sometimes there's certain things and you think someone is really good and that's what you kind of need in your life isn't it really um so for those listening you are the founder of fbcoms mm-hmm. which is now your agency yes um 
what kind of inspired you to to take the jump into freelancing what was your journey with that um well I mentioned earlier it it was an accident Mm -hmm. I I just knew that I wasn't happy in my previous agency there wasn't the room to grow and you know kind of values weren't aligned it was time to move on when I was looking for full-time roles my old director came to me and he had a position um for one of his clients but it meant that I needed to be a contractor Mm -hmm. because it was easier for them to employ me that way so it was like a full-time role and then pandemic hit that completely fell through and I'm like oh what now yeah um but then I just started going through my phone book and found some freelance clients was like you know what this is really quite fun yeah (laughs) and just it kind of went from there yeah I think that has been the case with a lot of people during Mm -hmm. the pandemic you know maybe some people who are you know who are listening right now have taken that jump or perhaps maybe thinking about it so it's nice to know that you know from what I've seen of you you are doing really well um and that is not necessarily a decision that you regret because Mm -hmm. you know it is it is a big decision you know taking that leap and and kind of becoming self-employed but thank you so much for coming on the podcast and I'm really excited to jump into this episode because I think I've been seeing so much of your stuff on LinkedIn recently and I think you've got a really cool story that so many people would relate to and also just maybe aspire to be especially now that you are an agency owner um and also learn a little bit about your kind of freelancing your journey what you kind of learned from that um, it'll be really lovely to chat to you about that now we get so many questions to girls martin to me myself about finding clients so talking about freelance clients how what's your process like how does that work for you how do you get freelance clients and how does it kind of differ maybe now to how it did, you know, when you started? It's always the big question. Mm -hmm. And it's always, I suppose, why someone freelancing could do really well or not do as well because um, they they can't find the work there. Uh, Initially, I literally went through my phone book and my LinkedIn, told all my friends, family, Instagram followers, Twitter, old colleagues, any clients that I'd previously worked with, um, old bosses, and I told everyone and put the word out because even if your mate doesn't need marketing, they've Mm -hmm. got nothing to do with it, they might have a mum who's just opened a bakery who needs a logo and some signage and all that, so word can get round. So it was basically kind of people that I knew and previous colleagues that Mm -hmm. started off, um, but now it's more... Like I'm getting a lot of leads through LinkedIn after yeah. spending all that time, I suppose, building an audience who mm-hmm. align with my values and then people see my contact content and um, then they get in touch. Yeah. So it's kind of differed from I was outreaching previously, whereas yeah. now kind of clients are coming to me, which is like the freelance dream, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, no, it really is. And I think, you know, when you get to that position, maybe you can be a bit more picky with who you work with. Mm-hmm. And I've chatted to a lot of people within our kind of members community and just sales and marketing community in general. And they always say about people who freelance and that kind of scariness of of you know finding clients. And I think it's difficult to take the leap with freelancing because we'll where are you going to get your clients or you know a full-time job is great because it means that you kind of know you're going to the office every day and you know the kind of things that you're doing but with freelancing you don't really have that obviously you do have regular clients and stuff like that but 
finding freelance clients can be really difficult and I like the fact that you're saying you know at the beginning you did a lot of outreach because I almost think it's kind of a bit taboo to be honest you know LinkedIn is huge at the moment personal branding is huge everyone's talking about how to gain clients but no one's really saying in the beginning it probably will be a lot of outreach and I think there's a bit of a kind of taboo around outreach and talking to people Um, and I really like the fact that you said you know you chatted to family and friends because like you said at the end of the day anyone could need a little bit of help and you're just beginning maybe they're just beginning so that's kind of a nice balance isn't it how does it work with kind of cold outreach did you go through any of the processes with cold outreach yeah and it it went terribly um (laughs) (laughs) so i there was one point um and i actually spent about 200 pounds on um bid vine credits yeah but all those clients i mean i i earned it back but all those clients like i was reaching out to them and the thing is when you're doing cold outreach you have to convince that person of your worth Mm -hmm. and that they need you and your services and that you're worth x pounds or uh, things like that whereas when it's uh people coming to you when you can get to that stage you don't have to argue your value with yeah. them so those clients that I did get through cold outreach the relationships were just not as easy mm-hmm. um and, and not as fruitful and I'm not working with any of those kind of big buying clients mm-hmm. anymore um it has its place mm-hmm. there is there is a time like if there's a really really wonderful company or you've got that dream client they're not going to find your freelance website by Mm -hmm. you know by accident you've got to put yourself in that situation if you see a person or uh, I don't know even like a music artist that you really want to work with Mm -hmm. you've got some ideas for their social go for it but in a world of LinkedIn uh, sales navigator Mm -hmm. if you send in those kinds of things you want to stand out like with a voice note or Mm -hmm. a personalized video to show that you've looked at their profile you're going through it you you can align with them and that's kind of the way to stand out I mean there's I'm not knocking off websites like Bark, Upwork, Bidvine because Mm -hmm. they did they did fill a gap for me but it didn't work out as well as Mm -hmm. you know people that have personally referred me or that I kind of knew anyway um in a non-professional context previously yeah I think what is nice to kind of hear is you know you acknowledge the fact that you've worked with these websites Mm -hmm. before I have as well when I was freelancing and it's a nice way to start and to make those initial connections and then I was similar to you with my kind of journey Mm -hmm. where I kind of got some connections, built up a bit of an income, built up a bit of a name and then kind of carried it, you know, from there. So, I, and I think I speak to a lot of people and I say, you know, especially these freelance websites, again, like no hate to them, but it is pretty low budget. You mm-hmm. know, these things people are putting on that they want a logo for, you know, 50 pounds or something and they want you to do it within 24 hours or something crazy like that. So I think you kind of build up a clientele of people that you want to work with Mm -hmm. but at the beginning you can't always be picky so I suppose that is the case isn't it it's getting into that it's getting into that position I mean it's it's gonna be awkward you're never gonna right off the bat get really really lucky with all these high-flying clients you're gonna kind of learn what works for you and what doesn't and I suppose 
like the first year was so difficult and I did so many things that just really didn't work so mm-hmm. talking to other people that want to get into freelancing or start their own marketing career mm-hmm. I'm more than happy to mentor and share and we'll, we'll like exactly what you're mm-hmm. doing with with girls in marketing if I can kind of help anyone make life a little easier yeah and and say don't spend 200 pounds on bidvine <laughs> <laughs> anything <laughs> then then it's it's kind of worth it yeah I, you know everything that we do with girls in marketing is is meant to help people and I think even if someone's just listening right now and they've either started freelancing or they're in the process of it or they're thinking about it because I speak to a lot of people that say it's on my kind of agenda for the future but not really something that I would do now and I think it's really interesting that you know you said about personalized like messages and LinkedIn messages Mm -hmm. because I don't know about you I'm sure with all the personal branding stuff that you've done recently that you get a lot of messages I always find there's a huge difference between getting a personalized message even if it's not a sales message getting a personalized message versus getting a kind of pre-made templated message I always feel like there's a there's a total difference what's your kind of thoughts on that I will always listen to a voice note Mm -hmm. and reply with one just because my brain mouth work way faster than my thumbs (laughs) (laughs) um and and I'll always watch a video just you know someone's taken the time out of the day it might be weird and they've just kind of overwritten my name over someone else's Mm -hmm. but I'm I'm curious Mm -hmm. it's when you get the kind of copied and pasted message from three people at the same company and you're mm-hmm. like mm, yeah that leaves a bad taste in the mouth <laughs> yeah I even think you know there's nothing wrong with templated messages or messages where you kind of use a template for them but I think the issue comes when it is literally copied and pasted to the point where if you can kind of try and change it a little bit personalize mm-hmm. it even add in something that they've done recently or something like that I think it's just a nice addition to to a message because I mean if you are in the process of getting clients and you want to do cold outreach and that is the process that you're going you know you're going for then just swapping and changing because I also think surely you're gonna get better leads that way as well yeah showing that you've actually looked at someone's profile Mm -hmm. and and you really like their organization it's something that you're really into personally and you can bring value to that because you actually want that industry to to do well you've been following the founder for a bit I think it really does make a difference if you kind of go through and really align with that and and they can see that you're passionate about it Mm -hmm. and I think that then kind of transitions into a better relationship doesn't it because Mm -hmm. you I mean at the end of the day if you apply for a freelance contract on a freelancing website Mm -hmm. you might not know anything about that client anything about their morals or what they stand for or anything like that Mm -hmm. and you know we chatted earlier um, kind of off camera about um, aligning with morals and, and companies and clients and I do think that if you do your own research before taking on a client then that'll end up in a better relationship because you'll want to work with them and you'll feel passionate about the work that you're doing and I think that's so important god it makes such Mm -hmm. such a difference working with clients that you actually find fun yeah (laughs) I mean the whole the whole point of FB comms was fun Mm -hmm. um you know there's there's a you know a few corporate clients but you know the teams are really fun and um, kind of at my previous agency or in, in some agencies in general you don't get to pick those accounts and it might not personally align with mm. 
you know, something you're remotely interested in. I think I was sell- selling men's boxes and socks at one point <laughs> and sending all those emails. I was thinking, I've never put on a pair of boxes in my life. Like, yeah. I'm not the person to be talking about this. Yeah, yeah. And I think that that is the, the thing as you grow and you build your agency or you build yourself as a freelancer you can be more picky with the people Mm -hmm. that you kind of have it on your clientele Mm -hmm. and with that being said touching a little bit more on retaining clients Mm -hmm. that's something that we get a lot of questions about as well and I know that you said you know you work with some really great clients what's your kind of like process with retaining clients and you know at the end of the day freelancers need to make that sufficient cash flow and kind of revenue how do you kind of cope with the aspects of kind of income especially in the early days of retaining clients and sometimes things you know you can't control like what what was your kind of process in the early days um the feast famine cycle is the classic freelancer problem Mm -hmm. um, of having all the work and then no work because you've not had time to do your business development um, so I stopped taking on projects. Mm-hmm. Uh, all of my clients now are um, on a retainer contract, so they get so much content or ads or emails, blogs, whatever, posts mm-hmm. a, a week, and that's kind of, we, we do that ongoing. I mean, in the pandemic, when some smaller businesses didn't have the funds to do that ongoing, mm-hmm. um, I did a DIY model, so I do their marketing for a month, and then have them in in for well online for a half day and literally show them exactly what I was doing so then they could be self-sufficient but then half of those four out of the eight then came back because they liked working with me and it, mm-hmm. it went so well they came back and said you know what that was actually it's quite quite a lot in, in marketing we didn't think about can yeah. you just do it yeah so so it's building those relationships and then from two of the others that I trained they then kind of referred me on to other companies so it, if you if you're doing good work and you're getting on with your clients and mm-hmm. they enjoy working with you then you know words gonna get out and you're gonna get more from the back of it yeah and it's word of mouth isn't it that's something that so many people say even running girls in marketing mm-hmm. we get so many people talking about yeah. us and you know even talk about me or talking about you know you yourself might get that as well with with clients word of mouth marketing is like almost top tier you know you there's nothing better than that organic talk of have you heard of Fiona she's got you know she does amazing ads or she got us this much revenue or something crazy like that because I think people trust people and it's that thing of you know personal branding you're doing a lot of it at the moment and being really personable and I think that being personable having people back your corner is the best type of marketing yeah oh similarly if you're an ass, mm-hmm. word spreads quick in the freelance <laughs> world. Like, if if you kind of burn someone or um, a client or just kind of deliver subpar work or you know, quite frankly, just make a mean comment or something, mm-hmm. like uh, word will get round. You know, do, do good work and. Mm-hmm be a nice person for god's sake yeah (laughs) so talking a little bit about 
retaining clients you know you said a little bit about the fact that you work with people on a retainer basis mm-hmm. so you give them a certain amount of content and yeah. stuff like that how do you manage your work-life balance I feel like that is the ultimate question for so many people especially as a freelancer because I know personally I did struggle quite a bit when I was freelancing with not time management but more just like switching off switching off I don't know her (laughs) oh god it's so hard I mean getting my office the co-working space was so huge Mm -hmm. got a little lucky drawer under my desk and I locked the laptop and getting a work phone yeah best investment ever (laughs) um and being able to separate those social profiles yeah and and having not having all the client whatsapp groups and stuff on my personal phone and not you know switching it off on a weekend so I was getting from one client he called me at half 10 on Friday night and I was like I am out I'm at a bar I have beer in my veins like <laughs> I don't I, I can't work now and he's like oh have you seen this tweet we need to reply to it and I was like I'm not beer tweeting yeah. <laughs> it's, it's um kind of setting those boundaries as soon as you can mm-hmm. um so I lock those in the drawer uh in in the evening um because working from home it can so creep up on you you know I was taking the laptop to bed with me mm-hmm. I'd, I'd pull it onto my lap first thing in the morning I was like oh Christ yeah um and and to be fair last year it, it is a weakness of mine and, and mm-hmm. I know I need to get better at it which is um why this year I'm kind of outsourcing more yeah bringing someone in so it's not completely all on my shoulders so I can take some time off I mean it's still difficult I mean I was on holiday last year uh, last week sorry and still had to kind of work overtime up to it and Mm -hmm. then I did do handovers to you know I had three contractors covering for me and being the main client contacts if they had any questions wanted to change something and did not bring my work phone or laptop away with me for the first time and oh it was sweet that is amazing (laughs) round of applause for you because honestly vlogging your laptop away and actually going on holiday Mm. it's an achievement so well done (laughs) i'm pleased about it yeah (laughs) i always think i i just get scared that something's Mm. gonna happen when you're not there and you can't control it and as much as other people can deal with situations a lot of the time you know, if it's your business or it's you as a freelancer, you're the person who has to take the hit, aren't you really? So it is difficult. But talking about what you said with clients, I had a client when I was working freelance Mm -hmm. and they were American based and they rang me at like two o'clock on uh, internet call, like Wi-Fi calling. Two o'clock in the morning, I was asleep, fully asleep. (laughs) And I was like, I answered because I was like, I thought it was, I don't know, an emergency. I don't know what could be an emergency. But they rang me and they was like, hey, you know, we really need to get this done for the morning. So I did a lot of content and SEO stuff. And it was, they needed um, like some leaflet copy doing by the morning. And I was like, that's not happening. Like that's that's not going to happen right now. I can't deal with it. And they, I woke up the next morning and I did it in the morning instead yeah. of then and it was fine. And the world didn't end which was great so I do think that setting boundaries is really important and after that I had that call with that client 
I just ended up giving them a very nicely professional worded mm-hmm. email that just said, listen, I'm contactable between this time yeah. and this time, like GMT, not, you know, your kind of time zone. But it is difficult because especially at the beginning, if you are wanting that income and to work with clients, it can be difficult to say, I can't do this work right now because mm-hmm. I'm out or I'm asleep. Like it can be <laughs> difficult to do that yeah and and it's it's as soon as you i mean they might still text you they might still try add you into five (laughs) whatsapp groups that they've got on at work and it might try invite you to like their socials and things but you know you've got a personal life Mm -hmm. outside of that and and that's okay if they're still texting you if they're still calling you Mm -hmm. you don't have to reply until the morning yeah yeah, I, I've said actually recently we were, we kind of had a discussion in our member society about freelancing and setting boundaries. Mm-hmm. And something that I said actually was set it from the beginning. Like if you're signing a contract with that person, say, just to let you know, I'll only be replying. You can contact me whenever, as you said, but I will only reply between this time and this time. And then that helps you because that means that well, you know, you feel a lot more in control because I know, especially when I work with different clients, I didn't feel kind of in control of that contract. And I mean, that's the point of freelancing that you are in control of your workload. So talking a little bit more about kind of outsourcing, because I feel like you are definitely an advocate for outsourcing. Mm -hmm. Um, Freelancers outsourcing their work to other freelancers to kind of help with this workload I know you said it's something that you have done before how do you even kind of start that like what is your process how do you decide what to outsource and what you don't outsource it came to a point and I was doing kind of absolutely everything but not all of it very Mm -hmm. well Mm -hmm. um I mean I mean I'll completely be open about what I'm good at. I love being creative. I love the content. I love the client-facing stuff. I'm no graphic designer. I'm mm-hmm. not a web developer. I can design. I can use Photoshop. I can use build a basic WordPress site, but that's not where my strengths are. That's not what I find fun. Mm-hmm. Um, things like post-scheduling and reporting, the things that were taking up all my time that I realized this isn't my strength. It's eating away at my time because I'm not that good at it and I'm taking 10 times longer than someone else could. Um, I found uh, my current virtual assistant um, on Instagram. Mm -hmm. Um, She followed me and then I I was looking through her profile like, these are the signs you need a virtual assistant. (laughs) And I was like, oh, fine. (laughs) It's time I asked for a bit of help because I I was just doing absolutely everything myself. Like if, if accounting and the invoicing stuff really stresses you out and takes up a lot of your time Mm -hmm. then get an accountant it's it it might take a hit to your overall income but you know it's will it give you back more time to do the things that you love I was thinking I I I wanted to pick all of the bits of my role that I really really like that I'm good at Mm -hmm. and outsource the things that I'm not at I don't I don't really understand PR or digital PR or SEO at mm-hmm. all. So I would rather pay someone who is really, really good at that because it means that my clients get a better service. I can provide more services to my clients rather than just say, no, can't do. Um, and also it, it builds a referral network of freelancers. I'm kind of working with 
eight at the minute um or just doing kind of little bits for each other but then they pass work back to me so Mm -hmm. it's almost like this big agency of all of us Mm -hmm. offering similar complementary services yeah because even other content marketers they've got different skill sets and niches and contacts um so freelancers aren't going to be your competition you they're never going to be doing the exact same thing as you mm-hmm. now it's nice that kind of collaboration over competition as people say um it's nice to kind of know that you're almost building a ecosystem mm-hmm. of freelancers and i think everyone can help each other as you said yeah. you know you're not you don't have to be amazing at everything to start as a freelancer because i mean that's another conversation in itself mm-hmm. i talk a lot of people and to a lot of people and they say oh but I can't do this or I can't do that or I only have you know one or two specialisms and I said well do that you know do that and you don't have to offer clients everything if you want to you know you can outsource it if you don't you can say I am a specialist in xyz something like that because I think that people think I've got to have tons of experience or I've got to you know know things like the back of my hand or I've got to have 20 million years of experience and the case actually is that maybe you're amazing at one or two things and you can offer that as freelance as well yeah exactly Mm -hmm. I mean I'm absolutely terrible with organization I'm a chaotic person (laughs) um my files are a mess so is my house at the minute um (laughs) just that's why I'm bringing someone in Mm -hmm. who has those as strengths Mm -hmm. to complement each other I know I know where the holes in my personality and and my experience and my skill set are and and I'm happy to plug them you know asking for help and realizing actually you know what I'm no good at this Mm. that's okay though Mm because someone else will be yeah that's that's nice and I think that people will appreciate that honesty Mm -hmm. because sometimes you've got to like admit it to yourself and say I am a chaotic person or I'm not super organized or I'm not able to do these different things and Mm -hmm. it's nice that you've got that self-awareness of saying listen I am quite chaotic (laughs) like that that's a nice thing (laughs) so another thing that I really love about the work that you do and the stuff that you put on LinkedIn is that you are your biggest cheerleader and Mm -hmm. that's something that I really champion I have found it difficult in the past and still do sometimes to be a cheerleader for myself. Um, So what kind of things do you, how do you hype yourself up to be your own biggest cheerleader and what was the kind of turning point from when you first began to now to say, actually, you know, these are the things that I'm doing amazing and and that sort of thing? At the beginning, I mean, the the imposter syndrome is was so heavy and I was taking on all this work um especially for kind of Facebook ads and I had no idea how to do Facebook ads but I thought yeah I'll learn (laughs) so I took a course I hired a consultant I was watching YouTube videos I was trying them on my own and now I'm running Facebook ads for some of the biggest companies in the world yeah um and it's kind of putting yourself in those positions and and being like you know what I can I can learn this I'm not comfortable uh, I'm not comfortable in this situation but I'm going to overcome it and that's when I realized that 
being uncomfortable and and scared and not feeling like you're doing that well just on the other side of that is growth that means that you're doing something that's Mm -hmm. that's challenging you um so I wasn't always kind of a a champion of myself and um it, it is hard to sometimes to think oh I've done a really really terrible job I mean I, I lost a big client on Monday um it, it was kind of coming to an end of a relationship they needed something that they they needed kind of web development over social and content so it was yeah. totally mutual but you know sometimes it's hard to not take it personally mm-hmm. but those those things happened then I was thinking you know what that's kind of opened up a space for someone that is more aligned with me and mm-hmm. you know it was a really great run we're all still friends mm-hmm. um so you do need to just switch the narrative on yourself but the one best thing that i ever did was start a smile file yeah uh, you you might have heard of the the idea of it it's uh basically every single time i do a really great report or get like just a nice email or mm-hmm. message or uh, whether that's someone uh, that says like they like my content on linkedin or like a a really good client thing or you know when a client messages you back without any blog re- blog changes yeah. <laughs> at all because they love it just yeah. that in the smile file yeah uh, reports and stuff and then then you know if you are starting to question yourself that's all there or if uh, then it also works if you're pitching for new work mm-hmm. and they ask to see anything that you've done previously you've got an entire folder of stuff that you're proud of mm-hmm. um and then i suppose writing if, if you're writing like award entries and things like i did it wasn't a case of kind of sitting through and hyping myself up because i already had all that material i literally just put all the testimonials in there mm-hmm. and all the like screenshots of reports that i already had yeah. and that was stuff that i was really proud of yeah things that made me smile that's that's nice i mean the name i've never heard of a smile file before but that is a really nice name for it i started something similar but definitely didn't have as groovy name as smile file (laughs) i think i literally called it like happiness or something Um, and i'll definitely be renaming mine i think um just a kind of google drive of Mm -hmm. of things of people saying nice things and kind of where you've helped them and stuff like that because i also think and i'm i'm not sure that you would necessarily get hate but sometimes when you get hate or you get kind of more negative comments Mm. not even not even hate if a client comes back and they've got tons of changes sometimes you can doubt yourself a little bit and i think that looking through a file i have in particular i have a google drive that i just add things to and i think it really helps you know as you said award entries is a big one because Mm. all of a sudden it's like when somebody asks you like say three things about yourself and you all of a sudden you're like I don't have a clue. I don't know. I don't even know my own name. Why do you deserve this? (laughs) Why should you be crowned whatever the title is? And you've already got a folder full of, actually, you know what? Mm -hmm. These are all the the times that I've actually done really well. Because when you're self-employed, when you're a business owner, you do question yourself. Mm -hmm. um, But it's important to have that backing there. Yeah. And I think as well, if you don't have a manager or someone above you mm-hmm. that, you know, once you've done a good job, say for example, ads are doing really well or mm-hmm. you've written a really good blog, you have to say to yourself, I've done a good job. Yeah. Whereas, you know, if you were in a typical kind of nine to five, maybe 
you know, someone would come and say to you, you know, you've done a really good job on that. Mm-hmm. So I think it's nice that you have kind of learned to become your own cheerleader. And what was interesting is saying about uh, awards. And so you enter yourself into awards, yeah. which is <laughs> amazing. I, I definitely feel like I need to take a leaf out of your book. Um, but so you, you actually physically sit down and write about, you know, yourself and, and all these things. So obviously the smile file kind of, adds into that but what's your approach to that how do you kind of go about uh, you know applying for awards and and what's the kind of process behind that so I'm on the um boost awards and don't panic awards mailing list so Mm -hmm. they send through every month kind of what's coming up what the deadline so um I started doing that to put clients forward for Mm -hmm. and then there was the young digital marketer of the year which was the first one that I applied for um Mm -hmm. that someone sent me and said you should go for it and I was Mm -hmm. like that's a bit embarrassing nominate (laughs) myself isn't it he said well I can do it but you still need to write it he said agencies nominate themselves all the Mm -hmm. time like they're clients like I don't know Warburton's isn't going to nominate their agency for some rogue award at a, a, an industry that they're not in and yeah. that they don't understand um you can't sit and I suppose wait for a, a judge to randomly find your profile and think you're deserving like if you're not in a big agency where your manager's not going to actively be nominating you you need to put yourself forward for those mm-hmm. I mean people do the um lads when I won kind of freelancer of the year the second year in the row they were they were all absolutely taking the mix saying <laughs> yeah but it's self-nominate I said yeah but it was a free award yeah. to enter why would I not at least try mm-hmm. um and yeah the, the, we were talking about this earlier off camera that there is the kind of oh but you've bought your way into the awards but they're they're judged fairly you know mm-hmm. you don't have to enter any of them and you know what it's really fun yeah <laughs> <laughs> yeah like the ceremonies mm-hmm. as northern digital awards last night that was an absolute blast mm-hmm. i i think as well you know being your own biggest cheerleader you have got to say maybe I deserve an award or maybe I deserve to be celebrated because as we said nobody's going to do it for you so if you don't take that leap and you know apply for a, a, an award then I mean unless you maybe hired someone to do it no mm. one's just gonna maybe just do it and say oh by the way I did that and if they do fair enough but I think a lot of the time whilst you're still building yourself up as a freelancer and as a professional do it yourself and it you know it's gonna work out fine (laughs) it's it's a really really great business development tool especially if you know it's you me myself and I Mm -hmm. having those extra kind of titles Mm -hmm. in your name and getting that exposure like young digital marketer of the year that just absolutely popped off Mm -hmm. that was when the tables turned I was like wow I'm not Mm -hmm. going back my inbox went nuts I ended up co-founding a second business with somebody Mm -hmm. it just it I mean, it did it did really really well for me. Mm-hmm. Um, understandably, it's some you know the marketing awards are mainly seen by marketers, mm-hmm. but that's my audience. Yeah, yeah, and I think that you know if you think about okay, I'm going to apply for this, I'm going to do it, and sometimes I mean maybe you do want to win, or sometimes you just do it because you think I'll just do it anyway. Mm-hmm. You know why not type thing? So many opportunities can come from that. Like mm-hmm. it's it's amazing and. Um, you know 
even just going to an award, getting leads, or even just chatting to more yeah. people, it's it's so nice, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, if I'm completely honest, I only entered the EU Content Awards because I saw one of their previous awards at like a really, really sexy, glorious like do in Barcelona. I thought, mm-hmm. oh yeah, yeah, I want to go. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> I want that. Nice. I want to be at that party. <laughs> and then they uh, did it via a live Twitter oh. announcement. <laughs> lived up to expectations <laughs> next year so you are one of the ultimate freelancers and there might be people you know listening today and thinking to themselves i want to do it i want to take the leap i want to become a freelancer i want to be the next fiona um what are the words of wisdom to freelancers or any aspiring freelancers out there what do you want to of say to them in terms of confidence or just anything the work is out there Mm -hmm. it is creating the content and getting seen by the people that have it and imposter syndrome is not a bad thing Mm -hmm. if you're uncomfortable if you're in a situation where the expectations of you are greater than your skill set at the minute it means you need to grow it means you need to learn it means you need to move into a space so if you reframe that it's not a bad thing if Mm -hmm. you're completely comfortable and plodding along happy as anything without any kind of challenge you're not growing yeah I think um I, I don't know who says it so I don't want to quote anyone but someone said the I can't remember what it even was now but it was something about being the comfort zone is like the worst place to be or something like that I can't remember it was that's probably not even the quote but there we go um it was re- it's just really true I think at the end of the day you know your comfort zone can feel really nice and cushy mm. and lovely but is it going to get you new leads? Is it going to get you new clients? Are you, you know, it might be that someone listening has never thought about entering an award before because mm-hmm. maybe they thought it, they weren't worthy of it. But just do it. Just put yourself out there and just take the leap. And as you said, don't let imposter syndrome be a bad thing. Let it be a good thing and let it spare you on to continue and keep doing better. Yeah, precisely. Mm-hmm. You can just sit with that feeling and think, you, yeah, I'm, I'm out of my comfort zone. Mm-hmm. I'm going places. Mm-hmm. I'm I'm making moves here. That's what this feeling is. Yeah, nice. No, I think it's always nice as well to kind of champion yourself, and I think that is you know definitely a reoccurring kind of theme throughout the the episode today is just being your own biggest cheerleader, champion yourself, mm-hmm. and kind of not taking what you're doing for granted you know just riding with it and and being absolutely amazing um so we always end the episode on the same question and it is about motivational mantras Mm -hmm. so do you have a motivational mantra that you would like to share today that keeps you going that gets you rearing and ready to go probably one of the more shallow ones Mm -hmm. but kind of it's not that deep like yeah. that's what I was telling myself on Monday with the client you know it's it's nothing personal mm-hmm. it, it we weren't aligned it's no one's kind of dying on the table yeah a client might come back with more uh, iterations than you originally thought but it, it's not that deep it's not reflection on who you are as a person um if you're you're not your business you're not your career so thank you so much for coming in today it's been lovely to have you and hear all about your fbcoms journey Thank you so much for having me. It's such a fun studio and day out in Liverpool. <laughs> <laughs> 
Right, that marks the end of another great episode. We really hope you enjoyed tuning in today. And if you did, please share with your friends, rate us on Apple Podcasts, follow us on Spotify and watch the video version on YouTube. We've got so many exciting things coming. So we really love for you to get involved. See you soon.